Well, hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast with myself, Steve Wiss, and of course, Jonathan Faduba. How are you doing, uh, JF? Hi Steve, hi everyone. I'm doing well and uh, great to be on the show with you this week. We've got a bit of a different show this week. We're going to sort of delve into, um, we are sort of nearly hitting the halfway point of the season, th- maybe a third of the way through, just over a third, so... We decided we're going to do something a little bit different on this episode, Steve. But but uh, before we get into that, how are how are you, my friend? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, as I was saying off air, I've got a little bit of a niggling injury right now from from one of my various different sports, no doubt this time of year. But uh, it's always a great healing tonic to do an episode with you. So uh, yeah, yeah, bring it on. And like you said, we're just going to do a couple of different things on this episode um, in addition to. You know, going through some, uh, you know, key uh, things various, going on. Various in... sports. I could, I could have sworn you told me you just in, you injured yourself in bed, getting out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, there's plenty of vigorous activities that can be done in the bedroom as well. Um, not that I, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, <laughs> no comment. But but um, yeah, probably uh, my uh, it was related to some sporting activity, no doubt. You know my. Hiking in the in the Yorkshire Dales in the hills, uh, or uh, or just playing our cricket, really. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think the less uh, the less we discuss your bedroom activity, the better. I think for everyone. <laughs> um, but we are gonna have a bit of a different show this week. You've you've, you've startled me there, mate. I'm, I've lost I've lost I've lost track of what I'm talking about. Hey, you, 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 <laughs> you were calling me unpredictable before this show, so now I'm going to throw all sorts of things at you. So uh, get ready. The plan for this week is um, a bit of a different show. We aren't going to do the traditional discussing the latest news in each uh, league. We're going to go for something a little bit different. We're going to recap the seasons and then we're going to tell the story of the season through five or six different uh, people, personalities that have defined the Elite Serian and El Svenskan seasons to date. So something a little bit different. It's a bit of a shorter show this week. We, um, you know, it's midweek as well. So, you know, throwing you a bit of a curveball here. We thought, you know, let's keep things fresh on the Nordic Football Podcast. Let's let's spice things up a bit. And um, so what we're going to do, Steve, I think we're going to start in Sweden. But basically, we've picked six personalities. can either be manager, player, could be anyone, um, that we feel kind of tell the story of the campaign so far. So from, you know, for example, if you were thinking about the Premier League, if you were doing like a six people and personalities that define the Premier League, Pretty sure most people would have Erling Haaland in there as one of them, if that makes sense. Someone who's defined the season, everybody's talked about, and that is what we're going to do. We're going to do the equivalent of that in Sweden and Norway. So, Steve, I think, is that a good way of summing it up? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it's like who's going to be the the Haaland and who's going to be the Patrick Bamford, right, of, um, <laughs> of each respective league. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting way sort of, to tell some of the stories of the season through different personalities, individuals or whatever uh, it might be. And we are going to start in Alsvenskan, um, where uh, you say six people. Uh, I'm just looking through your list now. Nothing too controversial in here. Um, Don't reveal them. Just, uh, we'll, go through well, I'm not going to reveal straight, straight away, no. Uh, I'll let you decide which order you want to do them in, uh, Jonathan, my friend. Um, but who are we going to start with? Yeah, so first player on my list um, that kind of defines the season so far, 
And as, as we're about to head into a, a break as well in Sweden, uh, the Allsvenska is about to pause for about nearly a month with the international break and everything like that, the midsummer break. Uh, so I think it's only right in probably what's going to be his last game. Well, it is going to be his last game um, in Sweden for a very long time, probably. Um, Hugo Larsson is my first choice uh, as one of the defining personalities of the season so far in Sweden. Um, obviously, Steve, my reasons for selecting him as we hit the 11 game mark, Malmo are top of the league. Uh, nine game, sorry, nine wins, one draw, one defeat from 11 games. And I think that I did consider sort of having Henrik Riestrom would have been an easy option. But I sort of feel like I've, I've talked about him quite a lot. In fairness, I've talked about Hugo Larsson quite a lot as well. But uh, since Riestrom's still going to be sticking around for a few more months, I think it's only right that I doff my cap to Mr. Larsson, who is heading off Steve after this last game in Osvenskan. Um, as we mentioned on the show last week, or the last show we had, he has sealed a 11.5 million euro move roughly to Eintracht Frankfurt in the German Bundesliga. He's going to be joining a massive club. Um, as we said before, only 18 years old, the midfielder. Uh, he's been a fantastic player to watch. He's played 60 games for Malmo already um, in two seasons since breaking through. He's become a central focal point in that midfield, um, an excellent player. And it's going to be sad to see him go, to be honest. I watched the Malmo Degaforce game on Monday and obviously scored in that and he ran into the crowd. And, and at the end of the game, he was there in the um, in the crowd with the fans with this sort of um, what they call the, the sort of big microphones singing with the fans and everything like that. And really childlike to be honest you know he's, he's just a kid he was enjoying himself and I just thought you know it's a, it's a really nice story line and I think one that kind of sums up this season so far the return of Malmo the rebirth um, one of the academy graduates coming through uh, and has broken of course as, as we mentioned the Osvenskan transfer record so um, he stuck around he could have gone to Bournemouth at the beginning of the season he stuck around for another sort of four or five months but now he is leaving and um, well deserved and of course like I say I think he kind of embodies this Malmo team that is already doing so well as top of the league. Yeah, and uh, it was kind of fitting that he scored in his last match for the club at at home. Um, they recently smashed Degaforce. Um, yet another battering for Degaforce, uh, Jonathan. Um, I could see you spitting feathers when. I was watching this game. Uh, it could have been genuinely 10 again, but that's besides the point. Hugo Larson, do you think sort of the um, sort of not the rebirth of Malmö, but the resurgence of them, is it? it's not a coincidence that this is someone who um, has come through the club at youth level and, you know, really, really is massively passionate about the club. It, sometimes it takes a character like that, doesn't it, to sort of uh, bring things together? Yeah, and I think his integration into the team has been been a bit of smart business by um, by Henrik Riesstrom, of course. I mean, to be fair, he was already playing last season. He was a regular as well. So, um, But I think, obviously, Riesstrom has come in and looked at the squad. And I think he he suits what Riesstrom wants to do in terms of a possession-based team. You know, he wants to have the ball. Riesstrom as a manager, we've talked about that many times. I saw something on Twitter the other day saying he's one of the most interesting managers in Europe. Um, I think the, the Twitter arty Steve was starting to notice Henrik Riesstrom, which is always worrying for um, for Malmo fans probably because once people start doing those little threads of uh, of his game model and stuff like that, you know it's uh, it's not going to be too long before he's on the uh, on the radar of other clubs um, because you know Sweden doesn't get a huge amount of attention maybe in the wider wider sort of football ecosystem, but I've started to see a few threads of his game style and stuff like that. And as I say, you know when that happens, it's um, 
it, it means that he's getting a bit more recognition. Uh, it, obviously, on this podcast, we've been talking about him for, for a good three years, Steve. But um, like I say, more people are starting to notice, I think. Um, but Larson, yeah, he, he, he obviously Malmo's ball possession, Steve, is the best in the league by miles. Um, according to our partners, Y Scout, 63.5% possession so far average which is the best in the league by a good solid eight percent um ridiculous ball possession dominance um and larson for me kind of just sums that up he is a very good passer of the ball he's very uh, intricate in the way he um passes and moves he can link play he's actually second in the league steve for completed passes uh 946 according to white scout that's only sergio penna penna of uh, of Malmo again uh, is has higher with 987. So as you can imagine, he's a he's a pass machine. Larson, um, very good on the ball, uh, very comfortable in possession. He can progress the play. He's not an especially progressive passer, but he is someone who can do a bit of everything to his game, in my opinion. And um, yeah, he's just a player that I feel is you know he's averaging 84.38 passes per 90 minutes, which is which is ridiculous to be honest, really. Um, and a decent sort of accuracy as well. So uh, 92.28% accuracy, which is tenth uh, and well, ninth in the league according to Wisecout data. So yeah, he, I just think he's a really good player, and I think he's the sort of player. He reminds me a little bit of De Bruyne in some ways. I think he can actually improve his game and go go on. I think he could probably start adding more goals. He took took his goal really well against Degerforce. He he can arrive in the box late. Um, he can also sit deep and sort of like link players to kind of pull skulls type um, or, you know, do the skulls bit where he gets attacking. So I almost, I almost feel like he's a multifunctional kind of Swiss army knife midfielder. And I think that going to the Bundesliga is going to improve his game. I think he can actually, actually have more to his game. So, yeah, I think the we're going to miss him. I'm genuinely going to miss watching him because I think he's a really good talent. And I'm not even really sure I've enjoyed him enough. You know, he's in my tent to watch, obviously, on, on patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. So we, if you want to get that and have a look into him. But, I almost feel like I haven't had a chance to enjoy him enough, really. So I will be looking forward to seeing him in the Bundesliga if he gets into the team and stuff. I think he will have a bit of adaptation period. It's a much higher level than the Bundesliga, but I still think he can get into the Bundesliga and, and do okay. I don't think it's a hugely high-level Bundesliga these days. I think the level's do- dropped from sort of five years, five to ten years ago. So, yeah, I could see him getting in the team, and he's a really, really good talent. Good luck to him in Germany. Yeah, very well yeah. said there. Um, I think there's... Uh going to be some Eintracht Frankfurt fa- Frankfurt fans listening to this podcast with uh, licking their lips based on what you've said there Jonathan but uh, yeah Hugo Larson is one of your players or personalities to define the season so far in our, in our Svenskan who moving on now to your second uh, personality who's it going to be yeah and I think I'll probably just run down the table isn't it I think that might be make make more sense yes um so I thought about it and uh, I'm actually going to mix it up a little bit here. I've got, I've got a list written down, but I'm going to mix up the list slightly. Um, you look at the table and you can see obviously top three, you've got Malmo top, Elsborg second uh, and Hacken third. And I think Elsborg have probably been one of the stories of the season so far, a team that maybe we haven't spoken about as much in, in previous years, I think in the early years of this pod, Steve, but they've really, last two to three years, they've really started to up their game. And so I think, that as they are second, I'm going to name as the personality for them, Jimmy Tellent. He is going to be my second personality of the Osvenskan 2023 season so far. Now, obviously, he's the manager of Elsborg, and I feel like it's about time I gave him my flowers. So that is where he comes in um, onto, onto my list of personalities. Now, 
I did. I think I said to you, Steve, if he wins against Uruguay, uh, the weekend just gone. We should name the title after him because they would have been top of the league, obviously going pretty much going into the summer break. Uh, they didn't quite manage to get the win. Um, won't talk too much about that game. Obviously, there was a massive controversy in it, which I think we tweeted, but um, the VAR sort of controversy. But yeah, Telen, 45-year-old Swedish coach. He's someone that I've spoken about in the past and I've been sort of hot and cold on him, I'll be totally honest. Like I, I thought in the early years, like he came through and he was like a really, really well-considered coach. I think the first year we did this podcast, Steve, he was at Yon Shopping and I think they got relegated. And I remember sort of um, at that point, he was a really highly thought of coach. Um, he'd been there for sort of two, three years. You know, he he came through their sort of like youth system. He was their, managed their 17s, managed their 21s, managed their 19s, then got the official manager's job. Did a decent stint there, sort of um, 100 plus games. And then he got the Ellsborg job in 2018. And he's been there ever since, which is, for one, longevity wise, you know, he's been there more than five years now. So he's had a really long time. He's nearly approaching 200 games as a manager of Ellsborg. And because he was so highly rated as a manager, I think maybe, maybe there was maybe expected a little bit more from him. And I think it took a while to get his game model into Ellsborg in terms of what he wanted to do. They had finishes kind of mid-table, lower mid-table. They didn't really impress too much. But I feel, Steve, he's really started to get a grip on the club now. And I feel he's really made the team his own. Um, their recruitment has sort of been up and down. They're a team that have had a lot of good players over the years that they've identified and, and sort of signed and then sold on. Um, so they've got that Hammerby little edge to them in terms of selling players. Uh, you'll remember Joseph Akuma being one, for example, Steve, and there's been many others. But but at the same time, they've also regenerated the squad quite well. And um, I think if you look at, for example, I think the key to their season so far, really, if you, if you look at that defence, you know, you've got Nicholas Hull, his former, you know, Nice player, he's been around the block. You've got Johan Larsson, you've got Weiser, uh, sorry, um, Lagerbilka, who had a loan last season. And then you've got, um, uh, the name escapes me now, but you've got, uh, what I'm trying to say is you've got a really solid back line there. And that's kind of what they're built on, really. They're built on a solid defensive team that can, that can, Holman, sorry, yeah, that's it. Sebastian Holman as well, who's done it, you know, he's done it, he's 31 years old, had a really good stint abroad. So they've really taken the league by storm. You know, like I said, they were top. They beat Malmo 3 0 uh, just a couple of weeks ago, which was a massive result. They, they've, they've shown resilience in games. And I think Tellin is really started to implement his, his game onto that club now. Um, and I think they're getting the benefits from it. I think they're genuine. Maybe not title contenders, but I, th- I can definitely see them maybe going for a top three finish this season. So uh, I think Telinder does a lot of credit, and he's one of the key names of the season so far, I think, in Osvenska. Do you know what's interesting? I think since we've started doing these uh, these podcasts, now in our seventh season, I, I think generally we- we're a pretty good judge of manager, I would say, as a duo. And I'm trying to think of another manager that you've got majorly wrong or wrong. And I think Tellin's about the only example, really, I can think of. So he, yeah, you're right. You've got to give him a lot of credit because I think he did silence quite a few critics uh, at one point, for sure. But if you were going to describe Jimmy Tellin's philosophy and style and tactics in a nutshell, how would you describe it as? Yeah, well, I mean, I would argue, I'm not sure if I got it wrong, because I think the league, if you look at their league finishes in the days where I was sort of saying that, I think what I said about him was, is he as is he worthy of the hype that he's kind of getting as a as a sort of young coach? And I think if you look at the early league finishes when he's first joined, I mean, they, there was one season they finished eighth. Um, I can't remember where they finished in twenty eighteen. Steve, you might be able to tell me. 
um, but they had a quite a poor few years. Um, then they finished second, obviously, in 2020. But uh, to be honest, it was more based around that that feeling that he was one of Boskensen's best young managers. And I just felt that they didn't really match that that hype in the early years. Um, so, but you're right, you know, yeah, that's it. They, 2018 season, they finished 12th. And I think that was around the time when I was... I'm pretty sure you said in, in the following year's preview... The, the, literally the only two minutes of airtime that Elsborg had back then on the show the whole year. You, you were saying, you know, I think the jury's out on him. It's a massive season for him. He, he, I think you maybe had him as the favourite in the sack race because, um, you know, if he continued the those sort of results, he would be struggling. But I think he bounced back after that, didn't he, to be fair to him? Yeah, I think um, so. I mean, you know, they finished four points above relegation in, in, that, in that 2019 season, which was his, his um, in that 2018 season, sorry. So I think I wasn't too off on that, um, especially when it's his, it was his first full season and they've nearly got relegated. But like you said, the second season in 2019, they did, they did slightly better and they've sort of gone from there and just kind of gradually improved. And, and that's the point I was just making that he, I think the time he's been given, and obviously this isn't the Premier League, I think if he'd finished, if that was like the Premier League, he'd, he'd have gone in the first season, he would have been sacked yes. because at the end of the day, you don't get the time. Um, but this is a bit more of a relaxed league. He's had, he's been given that time. Obviously, 2019, eighth place finish, not bad. You know, not amazing, but not bad. Don't forget, Elsborg are quite a big club um, in Osvenskan. They're not like a, they're not, they don't have huge expectations, but they're not a small club either. So there's, there is an element of expectation. It's the 2020 season where he really started to, to kind of impress, but that was obviously the COVID season when they finished nine points behind Malmo and finished second in the table, which was, which was decent. But that was a year where there was a lot of underachievement. Um, you know, teams like AIK were really poor that season and others. But but like I say, it's just gradual year by year progress that you've got to admire. And then you look at the 2021 season where they finished fourth. Um, and this is while sort of, like I said, losing players. But they they, they seem to be very settled now in their rec- recruitment, their structure. Um, when you say what kind of manager is he, he tends to favour sort of a 4-3-3. Um, he tends to like sort of um, press resistant midfielders who are dynamic, who can get forward as well. Um, he does. He, I think he's someone who likes a pressing style. Um, he likes fullbacks who who can get forward. Johan Larsson is a fantastic example of that. He's a he's sort of like a fantasy must-have, isn't he? These days, I learned that the hard way. And and um, if you look at Hult as well, he's someone who's quite dynamic, um, very experienced. I think he likes reliable characters. Um, telling, he tends to sort of bring players home from Sweden a lot, or former players, for example, Holman, uh, Hult, like I say, Larsson. They've all they've all been in Sweden in the past or played for the club. Um, then you've got sort of like dynamic players like Andrejko, who's had a really good year, uh, Jeppe Ockels, uh, Ben Hardson, there's others that they've sold in the past as well. Um, then they do have that sort of blend of African players that they recruit, like Baidu, like Boateng, um, like Akuma in the past who's gone, um, and, and others. So their recruitment's been quite good over the years as well. You know, they've recruited from USL, for example, in America, um, all sorts of places they've, they've found players um, and sold them on for good money. Vizanen obviously went to MLS for a huge fee. So... It just seems like he's got a real grip on that club now. He really knows what he's doing. He knows what style of play he wants. Um, I understand that they kind of actually have a really intricate way of um, analysing how they're playing, apparently. And it's, I think there's behind the scenes of the club, I think they're quite smart. I think they they look at various metrics of player recruitment and, and manager recruitment and, and in terms of sort of um, game game model. You know, how much are they pressing, for example? How press intensive are these players that they're recruiting? So I feel like they are a team who um, they're quite smart in everything they do. And this is probably the year where they're really starting to get their rewards for it now. You know, 2022 last season, see if they finished sixth. It wasn't as good as maybe, you know, you thought maybe they would have gone on. But I think this is they seem to have one year on, one year off, if you know what I mean. And this is the year now 
people are genuinely starting to say, could they challenge the title? So I think Jimmy Tellen deserves a huge credit. And uh, like I say, they they are genuine contenders, I think, for, for a top three place. Yeah, very well said indeed. So uh, that's Jimmy Telling. Moving on to your next personality. Uh, you are going towards the city of Gothenburg for this one. So uh, take it away. Yeah, so I suppose we, we're, we've got three here who are good. Well, some of them are good, some of them are bad. So obviously I'm telling the story of the season here. So they're not all going to be positive. And I'm sure, I know you, Steve, but not all your names are necessarily going to be positive. Um, but <laughs> I'll, stick with a, I'll stick with a positive one. Um, that tells the story of the season. And I, I thought about someone, who who could I pick from Hacken? I thought about the manager, Pierre Matisse Hogmer, but I feel like he's he's got a lot of praise. Um, I've praised him a lot in the show and praised him a lot in um, when I went to Gothenburg, praised him a lot when they won the league, of course. So I'm going to go for someone a little bit different. I'm going for Benny Traore now. Uh, why have I gone for Benny Traore? Some people might be wondering. Well, I think the easy answer is that um, he's made... A lot of people, Steve, forget about a certain name, Alexander Yermiev. And I think that's the number one reason um, why I picked him, maybe and not, not other players that I could have picked in, in, in that team. Um, he's, he's the top goal scorer in the league with 11 goals. He seems to score almost every week at the moment. Um, you know, that's 11 in 11 games. So, of course, he, he, that just shows you how well he's doing. Um, and I think the number one reason I picked him, Steve, is I think that if you had asked me at the start of the season who would fill those goals as boots of, of Yermiev who did so well I wouldn't have thought that Benny Traore would be that kind of um player really uh I I've always considered him more of a wide player than a forward and he's taken that central striker role really really well um he's intricate he, he, he can link play he he can score goals and I think that he's been a key part of of, of Hacken's team obviously don't forget as well he, he missed a year with an injury so really, he's been playing catch up here and he's almost seamlessly recovered. And I think that takes a lot of character. That takes a lot of personality um, and also just a lot of strength in terms of mental and physical strength to just not dip your level when you have a major injury like that. So he's managed to get back to the level and even improve, I think, than the player that he was. He's probably better than he was before the injury. So I think he deserves massive praise. Hacken are kind of, they're in that sweet spot in the league at the moment where, you know, they could challenge, but the third at the moment, three points off it with a game more played, still got Europe to come. So what do we expect from them going forward? Obviously, they're top goal scorers in the league, um, but they do tend to concede sometimes, you know, uh, compared to sort of maybe Elfsborg and Malmo. So I think Benny deserves a lot of praise. He's been a brilliant player. I love the heart song that the Hacken fans have for him. And I think he deserves to be one of the personalities of the season so far. I think he tells the story of Hacken's continuation. There's a real physical um, aura of energy around him, I feel, with this player. He um, can't take your eyes off him, can you? There's a real excitement around the whole club, to be honest, full stop. There's a lot of um, the sort of team that you'd, you'd pay money to watch, no problem. Um, they're, they're my sort of team, the relentless sort of team. And he he's almost um, a great sort of example of the personality of the team, isn't he? Yeah, 100%. I think you hit the nail on the head, really. Uh, they're, they're fun to watch. They're relentless. He's a fun player. He's relentless. Um, he's got a real bundle of energy about him, like you say. Um, big rumours that Ajax are watching him. So, you know, we've got the we've got the summer break coming, Steve. I mean, how many of these players are even going to be there when we when we start in July again, um, talking about these teams? So I hope it's not the last game we're seeing of any trial in the next couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, there will be interest. Um 
I mentioned Ajax, and there's other teams watching them, of course, at the Bravado Arena. Scouts all over the place. When I was in Gothenburg, Steve, there was a, a scouts from Germany, scouts from Netherlands. Like there's there's a lot of people watching Gothenburg football at the moment, and, and I'm sure he's one of the main reasons why. So um, yeah, he really embodies that hacking team. I feel, and 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 I think the biggest compliment, like I've said, no one's really missing Yermiev, which is a massive thing. Let's not forget he, you know, his goals were were fundamental to their title success. I think. Let's see how the season goes, Steve, because I will say that I do think at times they lack a bit of a focal point, Hacken. I think Trial Ray can be shut down at times. I think Jurgen did a good job on him until they end up getting beaten 4 1. And that just sums up how good Hacken are. But I, I do wonder about him as a sort of, he's not a target man like Yemriev. They play a very different style. And I wonder, can they do a different style? I think in Europe that might catch up to them because I think that teams might be able to contain him. Um, but so far so good because he's not you know he's not the, he's not the biggest he's he's quite he's quite diminutive uh from that point of view so i think i think the ola kamara signing hasn't really worked out so far he's not really made much of an impact at all so that is a testament to how well trial is doing so yeah massive praise to him he definitely tells the story of hack and season uh it's all really nice and positive stuff at the moment jonathan i must say um maybe about time to switch the boot onto the, the other foot now with perhaps something a little bit more on the pessimistic side or someone who hasn't perhaps lived up to expectations or has been disappointing. Um, so where who are you going to talk about next? Yeah, I'll just start it off by with the following words. If, you, if you've got something to say, say it to my face. <laughs> <laughs> and that is going to sum up this next person on my list. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be a necessarily positive one, unfortunately. Uh, the next personality I think that sums up this season is AIK's Jimmy Dermaz. Uh, now he's 34, 35, Steve, and unfortunately for him, despite the fact that he's a very experienced player um, with a great track record, great CV, great playing history behind him, um, experienced international, played for Malmo, he's played for Toulouse, he's won the league in Greece, he's won the league with Olympiakos. Big player, Steve, but unfortunately, I think he is symptomatic or emblematic of the problems at Oikor. Now, when we say problems, Steve, I mean, let's just look at the table going into the summer break. They are second bottom in the late league. They've won one game in 11, which is ridiculously poor, Steve. They are 10 points behind North Shopping in seventh. They are 12 points behind Bromo Poikina, unbelievably, in AOK, in, in, uh, in, in Stockholm. I mean, AOK considers from a point like they're sort of like their strawberry garden, Steve. You know, they go in and pick, pick any strawberries they want. They basically buy all their best academy players. To be 12 points behind them is like, I mean, that says the a shambles, lot. isn't it, really? Um, and I think the fact that they're in relegations says enough. But um, the reason I picked Dormaz and maybe not Brandstrom, for example, I, I don't want to get too much on Brandstrom's back. I think he's got a tough job. And I think any manager would find it tough there, to be honest. But um, maybe one with a bit, a little bit less experience of, of big level clubs is finding it a bit difficult. And I think that's part of the reason that Dermaz is there, Steve. Just dealing with those big characters like Dermaz is, is proving tough for him. I could have named Victor Fisher. I could name other players, Steve. I'm not criticising Dermaz in terms of his on-pitch uh, output um, because there's loads of players in there okay, I could criticise. Um, you know, the signing of Abubakar Keita hasn't really worked out yet. Um, Elias Dermaz, Victor Fisher. You could name almost every single player they've signed, in fact, and, and, and sort of point a finger, to be honest. Um, maybe Heliti's done okay, 
Um, but even Omar Farage up front, you know, I, I think it's more Nigel than Omar, than Omar at the moment, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not really worked out for him. Even Guadetti, you know, in and out of the team with injury, their recruitment, I think they're really struggling. They, 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 they're lacking any player really at the peak. Um, and it's genuinely almost time to start wondering, could they get relegated actually? Because even the players that are doing quite well, like Magashi has just picked up an injury, um, who I quite like. I think it's probably been arguably one of their better signings. Victor Fisher can't stay fit. And Dermaz, the reason I picked Dermaz, you know, even Bilal Hussein, such a top talent. He was in my tent to watch last season. Not really hit, hit, um, hit the ground running this year. But Dermaz just sums it up. You know, that, that big bust up they had between the manager and Dermaz in the training ground. And that's why I say um, the famous words, if you've got something to say, say it to my face. That was apparently uttered in the halls of AIK between manager and player. Um, reports that Dermaz trying to get the manager sacked. And it's all going off. I mean, he has been put into the team now by Brandstrom. Um, but it hasn't really changed their fortunes, AIK. So Dermaz was in there, Steve. A little bit of a negative one. But in terms of summing up the season, AIK are in real trouble. And I think Dermaz is kind of sums it all up, really. Yeah, it's been it's another negative one. If you want, <laughs> can do back to back negative. It's been disappointing for Ike. I, I actually watched their last game, by the way. I thought they were perhaps unlucky to um, to not beat Kalmar, but it's just the way things are going. When you actually play well, you're still not winning games. So, uh, yeah, um, Jimmy Dermatz. I tell you what, it's a real theme of Jimmy here, isn't it? Two Jimmy um, so far. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a Jimmy I can put into my into my uh, six here. But um, right, let's move on. Well, yeah, might as well stay on the negatives, I suppose. Um, and this is this is a disappointment, isn't it? I'm going to be feeling a bit depressed after this one. I think. Yeah, we'll do one negative and then we'll end it with a positive. So I'll run through them both, Steve. Um, my second negative was, I mean, it's not negative, but it's just unfortunate. Mm. Well, I think one of the personalities of the season, one of the stories of the season, of course. It has to be your boys, EF Core, Yotaborg, and um, it wouldn't be right for me not to mention them because they are actually, as we speak, Steve, also in the relegation playoffs. I mean, how on earth they're four points behind Degafors? I will never know. The, I mean, I could have picked Degafors managers, joint managers, to be honest, as personalities, but I've, we've already got one episode title named after them, um, so let's not have two because I could <laughs> rant about that. I could rant about their away performances for for, for another week um disgraceful but uh the, t the player i've picked as the personality i think unfortunately for him is marcus berg at ef core Yotterburg. now one win again just like ef core uh, sorry just like all you call they've only won one game in fact they've got an identical record steve both of them played 11 both of them won one game drawn four and lost six the only difference is that ef core scored slightly more aik only eight goals incredibly um but both of them have seven points it's just that ef core have a better goal difference so they are in the relegation playoffs as we speak. And, you know, we're nearly, I mean, they're, not, they're going to be in the relegation playoffs going into the um, summer break at best. I mean, they could be in the bottom two, but they're not going to catch Degafors by the end of this weekend. I know they've got a game in hand, but um, the fact is they're going to be in the bottom three going into the summer, which is disgraceful, really. And of course, Steve, we do have to sort of just briefly mention Jens Bertolasco, former pod guest. He's just been announced as the new manager this week. Uh, when we interviewed him, Steve, of course, remember lockdown, he was in the Faroe Islands. He's now worked his way from Faroes to Denmark to uh, Sweden, and he is the new manager of EF Court, which we will discuss maybe in another show. But the reason I picked Berg is just I feel like he is coming to the end of his time. Um, he's been a legend, don't get me wrong, um, in in Swedish football. You know, a, a solid international play. He's got tons of caps for Sweden. 
um, been a really big name, did well last season. I thought he was re- on his day. He was probably one of the best strikers in the league last year. But even towards the end of last season, he was talking about his body and just how he, he was even talking about, can he do another year? And I think he's given it a go, but I think his body is catching up to him, Steve, unfortunately. It happens to all of us. You know, you are struggling to get out of bed without um, pulling a calf. You know, age does catch up to all of us at one point or another. And I think that, um, sadly for Marcus, I think it is catching up to him. And I think that is a bit of an emblematic sort of story of EF course season, really. I think I think age is catching up to them. I think just kind of they are going in the, they aren't going in the right direction, let's say, in terms of uh, where they are at the moment. Um, I'm sure they'll turn it around. There's some great people there, smart people, and I'm, I'm not criticising that. But just at this moment in time, being in the bottom three, they've obviously taken drastic action now with appointing a new manager. Berg is turning 37 in August, Stephen. I mean, he's, he's still got a few goals this season. He's still got three goals. He's a legend, like I say, but it's just, unfortunately, they're not really creating much up front. And I think he's one of the reasons, really. I just think he's not quite dynamic enough unless they play teams that maybe sit a bit deeper and allow him that space. Um, I just think he's struggling more and more. In fairness to him, you know, his XG at times is pretty good. I mean, he's still he can still get shots off tar- shots on target. He's still getting assists. I do feel like in some ways I'm being a little bit harsh on him. Obviously, he's called a penalty against uh, Hammerby. Like, I, I, he's still I, I don't think you are. I've got to be honest. I, he, as good as he is technically still, and he's a good positional player, I've watched quite a bit of him. He's so slow. That that really strikes me. I don't know whether it's because of what they're asking him to do and everything, but he he just, you're right, he's lost a lot of dynamism, um, unfortunately. I mean, the Titanic probably turns quicker than Marcus Berg, doesn't it, uh, now? Um, I, I can't talk. I'd have an acceleration of one on football manager, but um, yeah, he's he's not just lost half a yard of pace, has he? He's lost five or ten yards of pace. Um, it's a shame. I feel like a poacher role would suit him pretty good in a in a better team, if you know what I mean, a more dominant team. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm not going to comment on where his pace because he probably still he probably he's probably still give us a role for our money, but but I mean, I agree with the the fact that. He'd be good in a better team. Weirdly enough, he'd actually probably hack and be one of the best scorers in the league, if you know what I mean, in a way. If he just had wide players who would do a little running for him and put it on the plate, um, he'd be fine, but he doesn't. And that's I think that's the problem. They don't have anyone around him who can even sort of do the running for him. And that is the real problem with their their attack. They, they don't have that pace in any of the forward positions, really. Gustav Norlin, okay, he's not bad, but he's not he's not really that quick. Um, I can't even remember. They've got Markovic, they've got, you know, like, also, obviously, getting injured is a massive blow as well in terms of going forward. He was probably their best attacking player in the early part of the season. Um, so they just, you know, Carneal's been injured as well. He brings at least at least a bit of youth and energy. I really like Linus Karlstrand. I think he he's someone who, in my opinion, I would give Linus Karlstrand more game time. Um, I think he's a youngster who's really bright and enthusiastic. I liked him when I saw him in Gothenburg, cheeky little grin. Um, he looks like a bit of a character to me. I think he's going to have a bit of a career. But, um, yeah... The reason I say he's emblematic is because the EF Corps in general lack pace. They, they lack dynamism. They, they are a slow team. Them, when you compare them to Hacken, it's like night and day. They're just completely opposites in that sense. Mm. Um, so that's why I'm going to sort of say him. And I think, you know, Durmaz and Burr kind of sum up the situations of AIK and EF Corps. And I'm pretty sure EF Corps will look to go into the market in, in the summer and try and get a new striker. So that kind of sums it up, really. There's rumours about Victor Edvarsson maybe going there. 
Um, I'll wrap it up because we're running out of time. I'll pick my, I'll tell you my last two. Um, I'll count them as one because they are joint managers. Um, so my final personalities of the season so far that sum up this season, I think I think we have to give a massive shout out to uh, the joint managers at uh, Bromer Poikina, Andreas Engelmark and Olaf Melberg. Um, haven't really discussed them too much on this pod this season, but fifth in the league, Steve. Incredible achievement for a newly promoted side. I, I tip them to go down. I mean, you can I can almost say they're safe now, to be honest, even with 11 games gone. You know, they're that far ahead, but you're not quite maybe. They need a few more wins, but the way they're going, they're going to pick those wins up. No problem. Uh, unbelievable achievement from them so far. Been really, really good. Really, really surprised me. Um, I did not see this coming whatsoever. Maybe lack of preparation on my part, maybe underestimating them. But um, yeah, six wins out of 11. Uh, like I say, they, they, they're really looking good. In the last few uh, weeks, they have... Um, Obviously, gone to um, gone to Northampton and one two nil. Of course, um, <clears throat> excuse me. They've had some easy games. Obviously, don't forget they they lost their first three in a row. Steve uh, lost at Uruguay lost against Malmo and lost five nil at Elfsborg. And everyone thought, wow, this is going to be a short stay. Um, but they won the next three in a row. I guess the only thing you could say is they've had some some sort of not easy, but they've played obviously Varberg. They've played sort of um, Halmstad, Varnamo, teams around them that maybe they could get points off. But I still think getting wins at Kalmar away, North Shopping away is massive. Um, so the joint managers there, I think they've done a really fantastic job. Um, they went they went through a period, I think they had four clean sheets in a row as well, which is not, you know, no mean feat at any level. So clearly they're well organised. Clearly, despite not having the best squad, they're, they're getting the best out of those players at this moment in time. And although I think their run of games is going to get a little bit harder coming up, um, I think they can really hold their held, held, hold their heads high. So that will be my final pick as sort of a, someone who kind of sums up the season, really, Braun Poikin, of this fresh team that's come in and been a breath of fresh air in Osvenskan. So that will be it for me. Yeah, I've just been looking at their metrics, actually. They're, they're legitimately good. They've deserved exactly where, where they should be right now. They rank mid mid uh, mid table for like expected goals, expected goals against. I'm actually just shocked to see there is a team that has a worse expected goals against average per game than Degafors. Who's that? Um, Halmstad. <laughs> yeah, but they can they can actually defend, so nothing's fine. Well, they're obviously being quite lucky, or the goalkeepers having an unbelievable season, but I was actually shocked to see Degafor's not bottom of that metric. But uh, that's for another day. I'm still having nightmares. I'm having nightmares now of Marcus Berg listening to this episode and challenging me to a 100-metre race if I ever go over to Sweden and the Beating me by pounds. <laughs> I think we goes off that. in the distance like Usain Bolt. I think we'll definitely have to get that on YouTube. That would be uh, that would definitely be a must-watch video, I think. Um, but yeah, I think hopefully that's for the listener. Hopefully that sums up the season so far. I think it's a, a unique, a sort of different way of recapping the season. Six personalities, yeah. not criticising any of them, but they just happen to sum up each respective team's sort of predicament. So um, that'll be it for part one, I think. Hopefully you got value from that. Hopefully tweet us at Nordic Football if you like the, the concept. If you've got other personalities you feel we should have mentioned. Um, could have gone for one or two others maybe, but I think all in all, um, it's not too bad. So. Looking forward to your Steve in, in Norway. We'll get a cup of tea and we will be back to get into the Meat Man Soccer's personalities uh, in a minute.
Welcome to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast, the latest episode. And don't forget, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. Just want to say a huge thank you to all subscribers, everyone who's engaging in our content, weekly shows that we have. Um, and we are going to be doing some analysis pieces. So keep an eye out for that. And I really mean it this time. We are going to have some 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 juicy content coming for you. Um, so if you if you're on that, then thanks a lot again for your support. As always, it helps us keep the show running and and um it really means a lot to us. Uh, and also, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube yet, uh, Nordic Football Podcast YouTube, get on it because we're nearly at 500 subscribers. Um, and the shows are always go on YouTube every week. So uh, let's get into what you've been waiting for now. Yes. Get your, um, get, your, uh, get your chairs, strap yourself into a chair, maybe get a cold drink just in case. I feel like this could potentially be a little bit explosive. Um, a disclaimer, the views of Meatman Soccer do not represent the views of the Nordic Football Podcast in general or Jonathan Faduva. And we will now not hold your horses we, here. We will not be held liable for any uh, any legal action or hold different of factors. <laughs> this was going to be the most positive of sections. And uh, I've just tweaked things up a little bit, but, um, you know... I. I Let's see how things develop because uh, I think there's a lot of good things to say about Elite Serian this season so far. Let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, first on your list, then, Steve, in terms of summing up the season in Elite Serian in Norway, who is the first personality on your list that kind of encapsulates this year so far in Norway? I think this one name does completely um, depict the whole season so far, really. Um, and that's Bord Finner. Of Bran, who we've talked about an awful lot on this show already this year. So I don't want to go overboard with him, but it would have been obviously an embarrassment not to include him on, on this list because he's really, I mean, Bran have done brilliantly this year. They're second in the league. They won the Norwegian Cup. They're playing nice looking football. There's a real positive atmosphere around Bergen and, and everything like that. And Bordfinner, I think, is at the right at the centre of it. He's the heartbeat, the engine of the team. Um, scored a lot of goals, provided a lot of assists. And, you know, along with a certain other someone in the north of Norway, I think he's been streets ahead, the best player in the league. Simple as that right now. And um, a lot of the great things that are going on at Bran are through him. It's as simple as that, Jonathan. Board Finner, 28 years old, we spoke about him in recent shows and you mentioned uh, Brand and just having such a good year. And it, like you said, it, this year does feel like the story of Brand, doesn't it, really? Their revival. I think that's a massive storyline. So I, I'm not surprised you've got him as your kind of first pick. Um, in terms of expected goals, obviously you've, you've left out Akel Adams, um, are a bit of a spoiler here, but you've just left him out. He's got 7.95 XG, Board Finner 6.49 XG, second in the league. But as you said, you know, Finner is enjoying a really good season in terms of goals and nine goals. Um, I mean, I think it speaks to just the beauty of football sometimes, isn't it? You can never write a player's career off. Sometimes you're doing well, sometimes you're not doing well, but you can always, it's never too late, is it? You know, he's he's kind of, you know, you mentioned, I think you said he was a bit of a nothing player at certain points of his career, really. Gone into Obos, become some sort of like Van Nistelrooy, and, and, he, and he's, you know, some of the clips of the goals he's scoring this season have been phenomenal, really. He's really, it says a lot about confidence, doesn't it, Stephen, and how it's never really too late as a footballer, to sort of turn your career around. Would you agree? Yeah, well, I've called him the Steve Savino of uh, Norwegian football, haven't I? Um, former Valencian striker who 
really enters his prime around the age of 28, just like Bord Finner has. And I don't think he's a player I've ever completely written off before, but I think he has he has flattered to deceive. Um, you always felt there was something more there, but he just couldn't deliver consistently, whether it was a mental thing, um, whether it was a club thing. But I mean, if we, I'm just looking now at his total minutes in all competitions this year, competitive matches, that is. 1,009 minutes, and he's contributed with 12 goals and five assists. That's damn sensational, really, um, for someone who's playing effectively up front. Um, but he's it's his passion as well. You know, you can tell he means it means a lot to him being uh, being at Brand here, and you can feel like there's, there's several other names at Brand who, who deserve a lot of credit. The manager himself, Eric Hornerland, could perhaps deserve to be on this personality list. But Board Finner, like I say, now you're talking about him as you know one of the absolute key players in the entire league, a must-have in fantasy. I think only Pellegrino scored more fantasy points. Things like that. He's an indispensable player and um, he's got him into the Norwegian squad. He's going to be potentially playing alongside Erling Brock Haaland in the in the next matches. I mean, That's incredible. it's incredible. It's incredible, isn't it? So fair play to him. And, um, you know, whether he can keep it up, well, he, of course he can keep it up because I, I think he's a clever player and he's, he's a great technician. And I think those, if you have those two elements to your game, as long as you can stay fairly healthy, then I think you're always going to achieve something in football if you if your mind's in the right place. Yeah, testament to never giving up. So congratulations, Board Finner. Uh, like you said, maybe playing with Harlan, that's incredible, really. And uh, just shows it's never too late um, if you keep your determination, as you, as you mentioned there, Steve. So um, good, good one to recap um, the season so far. I think he definitely epitomizes this year's season. Um, Second on your list, you did mention a certain someone. Um, take take it away. Who who you've got next on your your list of players that define the season so far, or people? Well, you don't have to be Mystic Meg to predict this particular name. Um, I mean, it's one of those players that year on year you almost you know I, I try try to avoid putting him in, but Armel Pellegrino seems to go from strength to strength. He's like a fine wine, isn't he? He just gets better with age. Um, I mean, I think he's 33 now, knocking on the door of 33. And I mean, <laughs> you, you, some of the goals that he scored this year are absolutely unbelievable. Like the, the goal against Odd, the two, the first two goals against Starbeck, sensational stuff. I mean, technically, he's the best player in the league by far. And you know, Buda Glimter, obviously, at the moment, they've won every single game by one, they're heading towards another title. And Pellegrino is still the man at the centre of things. You just feel when he's when he's in the team, they're capable of anything. Like they can always find a way to win if Pellegrino is is, is on the field. And um just the sheer pleasure and beauty of watching him play and, and some of the stuff he does on the ball is, is an absolute joy. Um I think everyone would enjoy him apart from perhaps Tromso fans. And uh you know Pellegrino statistically is is a monster as well. Impossible to keep him out of this list of personalities that depict the season so far because you know he's been he's been one of the star men. If you had to name a key moment for him, a key goal because they scored some stunners. I mean, some of the some of their goals have gone viral on Twitter. They've been unbelievable. Um, is there any moment that kind yeah. of sums up his quality for you that you really, you know, number one in your list? Yeah, it's the first goal against Starbeck this year, actually. Um, it was in week number two. I think he'd, I think he was injured in week one, or he came off the bench. And you know, he's against a goalkeeper in Isaac Pedersen, who 
spoiler alert, I might mention him later. <laughs> um, he's been brilliant this year. I mean, and, and the sheer audacity to think he can score such an unbelievable goal against that sort of goalkeeper is is, is outrageous. Um, and I also think in week number two, people were thinking, you know, Starbuck have done well. They just beat Mordor in the cup, which could be a banana skin sort of game. They were 3-0 up by half time, uh, I think it was. And so I, I think that goal set them set them going, you know what I mean? It's one of those where it just felt, felt like a really key moment. And also he equalised late against uh, Bran. That's the only game they've, they've dropped points in this year, but it was in the 94th minute. If they'd lost that game, might be a different story now. Since then, they've won six on the spin. So those, I would say, are the two really key goals this season that have um, have been difference makers for, for Buda Glimp. Yeah, I mean, some of his goals have just been absolutely outrageous, to be honest. Um, so he, he deserves a huge amount of praise. Um, I mean, Glimp, Glimp have really, you know, they're running it back, aren't they? They're, they're sort of, um, they've re-announced themselves this year and, doing really well he's 32 years old as well so you've got to enjoy him while you can he's nearly he's gonna be 33 in a couple of weeks actually um so you know you've got to enjoy this sort of vintage fine wine player while you can to be honest um so yeah Amal Pellegrino uh, a good choice there I would I would say Steve in terms of players that re- sum up this season let's move on to the next one you've got somebody who's in the top three it's not necessarily a manager though oh, sorry it's not necessarily a player though is it no um and do you know I think there's been a couple of accusations recently um, against me, not specifically direct, but <laughs> that that I favour Buddha Glimp more than Tromso, and I don't give Tromso enough credit for what for, for, for what they're what they're what they're due or worth. So I think um, Galta Hellstrup, the manager of Tromso, is is got to be a personality. Or, or someone who deserves a mention on on this because they're third in the table, and I, I mean each week I kind of dismiss them, don't I? On on metrics, I'm saying they've they've been lucky. Um, you know they they're not remarkable to watch, um, things like that. But they're a result team. They're a really good result team, and I think all things considered, you've got to give the manager unbelievable credit for finding ways to. I've watched him, and I think what the Tromso do really well is they they have moments in matches like spells, like a ten or fifteen minute spell, twenty minute spell, where they just they change the game. Do you know what I mean? They play key moments really well, and also they're happy to to, to soak up pressure for say twenty twenty five minutes. And it might be a reason why it might be a real freak anomaly, you know, Jonathan. That metrically speaking, like expected goals, expected goals against shots, things like that. It might be that that's why they're they're not as good as you think because they're happy to take these moments where that they will soak up pressure, but realistically they don't maybe look like conceding the goal. If you know what I mean? So you, in sport, there always are our anomalies, and I think this manager is really, really clever, really clever manager. Like tactically, he's he's getting the absolute most out of his squad. So I think Tromso and the manager do deserve a lot of praise and credit for. Forget to be in where they are on the table, especially with Buda Glimt doing so well. Their arch rivals, obviously, top of the league. I think I think there's a real hunger in Tromsø to try and just as do as well as they can and stay on the coattails of of Glimt. And it's, it's interesting they've drawn each other in the Norwegian Cup, last sixteen, and that will be played, I think, around the twenty fourth of June. And if Hellstrup could do a tactical job 
on them in this cup, I think that would be a real feather in his cap. Yeah, and uh, it's nice to hear you praising them because you know sometimes I mean metrics can only tell half a story at times, and I think I think sometimes we, get, we can get too bogged down into it and maybe kind of miss the actual what's in front of our eyes, which is that they're having a really good season, and and sometimes just you can enjoy it just for what it is. I guess what you're saying is maybe it might trend off, you know, and you you, you very well may be proven right, but I guess as of today we have to give them a lot of credit, really, Steve. So so fair play to you for that one. Um, and it's nice to see someone, uh, two teams. You, up in the North you are right. You, you are right. But it's not all. I think sometimes we can get too bogged down with metrics. And I think after a certain amount of time, you've got to look at it and think, well, why is this happening? And it's not always to do with bad luck, good luck, things like that. It is a, it's a result game, isn't it, football? And I, I watch them play and, and I never really feel like they're a bad team. I never really feel like they're, they're an amazing team either. So, but I do know when I, whenever I watch them, they're really, really well coached. You know, you're looking at a three-five-two system, sometimes three-four-three, and they, they, they're a really. I know there's a lot of Tromsø fans who listen to this show, and I think the manager can um, is doing you really, really proud right now. Yeah, sorry, Tromsø fans, if uh, Meek Mansock has been a bit downbeat on your uh, excellent season, I think. Um, but you know. At the end of the day, at the moment, you're having the last laugh. So definitely a really good season for you guys. And, uh, yeah, continue to listen in because every now and then we will give you praise. You are one of the stories of the season so far, according to Mr. Meatman. So the next one you've got on your list, Steve, is uh, a bit more of a general point, isn't it, um, in terms of what recaps this season? Yeah, this is not actually a person or anything. It's just basically listed as elite Assyrian defences. Now, this is both good and bad, really because I'm not going to actually moan because there's been a lot of goals scored recently. Um, but an interesting statistic in the last 32 matches played, the last four rounds, um, so 32 matches, 64 obviously teams in action, there's just been nine clean sheets out of 64 possibles, which is remarkably low, um, really, I must say. And... Don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of entertainment and I'd much rather that than have nil-nils all around the park. But unfortunately, I, I, I don't know what it is. Just recently, the last certainly the last month, was the last sort of six weeks, some of the defending in this in the Elite Serie has been a shambles. And um, there's been mistakes everywhere. There's been, I think, teams that, I tactically just think, oh, we can outscore you. We're not bothered about defending, um, leaving things exposed. And again, I'm not moaning. I'd much rather watch that sort of football. But I think it just has to be mentioned that this season has suddenly become really quite high scoring, really high scoring indeed. So with the exception of two or three teams, um, if you've been back in the overs, over 2.5 goals in games, certainly since the first couple of rounds, you've been laughing. So defences at the moment, they've not been impressing me overall, Jonathan. There's, I mean, some teams more than others have, have especially disappointed in me. But um, would, you say, would you say that's because maybe, is that worse than previous years? Or, you know, is there a theory behind that? Is it just general? Or are you, are you saying it's markedly worse than maybe previous years? And do you have any theories as to why? It might just be a spell of, of like a four four to six week spell, and, and we we find to be fair, usually goals do start to flow more as the summer comes in, 
um, into into Norway. Uh, the pitches get better. I think the weather's been pretty good up there since. Uh, so, so that could be a reason. But um, I mean, w- when we did the tend to watch this year, um, again, I'm not going to give away every name, but there weren't a lot in Norway uh, defensive minded players, and. I feel maybe the, the quality of defence is, is just not there right now in, in the elite Assyrian. So it might just be a sign of the times where, you know, offence is ruling over defence. And it's always been traditionally high-scoring league. Um, but it's just I, recently I, I've just been shocked by, by some of the mistakes that are just glaringly obvious laziness at times. So, and, and I think the other thing, John, I think there's some teams that when they find themselves behind, they've just been giving up in games a bit, a little bit, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't care. If we, not, they don't care about taking perhaps, you know, a couple more goals um, on, which again, it's, it's a refreshing attitude, you know, rather than something like a big Sam Allardyce attitude of, oh, we're two nil down. We'll just keep it two nil. We won't try even to score. So I don't, I don't even want to criticize in a way, but I just feel like it's, it's something that maybe perhaps needs to be mentioned that defensively um, there's a, there's a few, uh, <laughs> a few issues across the league right now. Yeah, fascinating stuff. I'd be interested to hear if any um, listeners have any thoughts on that as well. Maybe any theories? Is it just concentration? Do you agree with Steve? Do you, you know, do you have any other thoughts yourself on that? Um, maybe you're being kind, maybe not naming names in terms of teams and stuff, Steve, but I think that's fair enough. It seems like it's more of a general trend. Um, so let's move on to a person before we end up, or do you want to, well, you choose actually. Because one is a no, person, we'll, we'll, one is we'll a person, the, one is a machine. So we'll, we'll we'll go with the person first. Okay, so you're going to end the show with a machine. Yeah, right. Who's your person? Um, the person is uh, Isaac Pettersson, the goalkeeper at Starbeck, and I, I I have praised him quite a bit this season. But um. There's a, there's a few keepers, I think, have done actually quite well in Elite Assyrian. They've needed to with whether those defenders ahead of them have been performing of late. But uh, I think Pedersen, I've said before, I've, I just I don't really know how the hell Starbeck got him. I mean, he was once our Svenskan goalkeeper of the season. He moves to Toulouse in Liga. Um, I mean, I, we, I think we all presumed at some point he would end up being the number one starter there. You know, he ended up warming every bench under the sun. Hardly ever got a minute. Um, I still think he could be a starting keeper for a French league outside, no doubt about it. And then, randomly, Starbeck pick him up. Now, again, I don't want to... There's nothing against Starbeck, but he, this keeper just feels far too good Permanent transfer, right? I mean, I need to look at the ins and outs of this transfer, but I'm pretty sure it was a free transfer. For uh, and I think the, I don't know how long the contract is. Um, yeah, free free transfer uh, from uh, Toulouse former Norshipping. It's absolutely incredible, and he has looked quality. Some of the saves that he makes, reflex saves, absolutely outrageous. Really is, and you, you think he's going to get beaten, and he's not. Um, he's added so much to this team, and um, but he's really bought into a club. You know, some players they think they're better than you know. Go somewhere, think they're better than you know the club they're at or whatever, or the, the or the league standard. But you can tell he doesn't look like a a sort of guy who gets like that, overconfident, cocky, 
he's he's really settled in nicely. And uh, you know me, I do love a good goalkeeper. I do. Apart from when I'm on an overs bet or something and they're, and they're denying me. But um, I just love the way this guy operates. There's, there's several keepers I'm enjoying in the Elite Seven right now. But Isaac Pettersson, I think, is also summarises um, goalkeepers as a whole in the league. It's been good. And secondly, Starbeck sort of resurgence back from their promotion. They've done really well so far this season. And I think Pettersson's been one of the, one of the reasons for it. Yeah, I mean, it's always great when someone buys into the league. I don't, I personally don't know what he's doing there because I remember um, our all Svenskan team of the season. I'm pretty sure he was in that. Uh, when he was in all Svenskan, I don't know was clearly too. That's why he got his move to Toulouse. He was unbelievable. Well, he was definitely a very, very high quality, even for all Svenskan. And uh, I don't know if you'd, you'd agree if all Svenskan's a better league. I'm not sure, but. Um, he he's certainly someone who I think has been a phenomenal keeper. So sometimes these anomalies, these quirks happen, and fair play to fair play to them for picking him up because he is a I think he's a really good goalkeeper. I couldn't believe it when you tell me he's in he's uh, he's back in Norway. So yeah, that is a very interesting one. I think he left he left in 2020. Am I right in saying to, to lose was it? He left. Um... Norshipping to Toulouse in January 2021 for a million. Oh no, so no, it was a free transfer as well. Um, his market value was a million back then. I think it was, should have been more. Then obviously a free transfer now to to Starbeck, and the contract runs out at the end of 2023. So I don't think he's going to be lacking for potential clubs, is he? <laughs> he keeps performing like this, um, and then watch him sign an extension with Starbeck. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. I'm just, uh, I'm on it now. Actually, uh, I'm going to just read a little. Uh, I'm going to read my 2019 because I think I think actually Steve Weisgat have taken down half our our blogs because they moved to Huddle, didn't they? And I think a lot of our blogs have been lost on the lost in the internet um, atmosphere. Yeah. So I'm just going to read. This is 11th of December 2019. What I wrote about him in our combined all Spence and Elite Serie and Team of the Season 2019. Uh, Voted goalkeeper of the season in the Osvenskan 2019 award ceremony. It's been a fantastic year for Petson. Shotstopper has got a call up to the Swedish national team, and he's also been called in the Swedish national team training camp in January 2020 uh, with a 79% save percentage, 3.92 shots faced per 90 minutes. Uh, he's regularly tested but stands tall on the majority of the occasions. He is arguably the best goalkeeper in Osvenskan at 22, uh, saving his team in key games with some magnificent, some magnificent saves. No keeper kept more clean sheets in the division this season and his save percentage ranks third in the league, despite facing more shots than any other top-ranking team in the league and nearly double that of the two keepers with the best save percentage. With one year left on his contract, there is sure to be big interest in Pettersson's services from clubs in the coming months. I mean, how on earth has he ended up back in Norway a couple of years later? That is just, that's definitely a statistical quirk, maybe. Or he needs to get a better agent. I'm not sure, but um, Fantastic stuff. Yeah, I really rate him and I think it's a great spot, Stephen. I couldn't agree more. He, he's a really good player. But your final pick, well, I'm almost I'm almost sad that this is the final pick. But uh, we've had enough of men and human beings on this show. So let's have a story of the season in the Lutetarian that is nothing to do with human beings whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, you said machine, didn't you, there? And I was almost tempted to change it last minute to someone like Erling Bright Harland. But <laughs> well, Peterson's a save machine, I guess you could say. <laughs> but the last, uh, well, personality—it's not. Is it a personality? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. Definitely you know where not. I'm going to. Uh, listeners will not be surprised that VAR 
has to be mentioned. Obviously, the first year that VAR is coming into um, Elite Serien, with we're now ten goal, ten games old, and I think overall, I mean, look, we, we can debate things to, uh, until we die whether it's needed. At the end of the day, VAR is in football now; um, it's here to stay. It's just how it's refined going forward, really. I think it's been a bit tedious, though, in a later series, and I'm not going to lie. And I think there's a couple of reasons why. I think it's taken away a lot of the the charisma and personality of this league. You cannot get away with stuff now in terms of red cards. There's already been 14 red cards this season, Jonathan. Um, now, bear in mind, in the 20, we've only played 10 rounds. In fact, mo- most teams have actually only played my- nine matches. Last year, there were 24 red cards overall, which was actually on the high side. In 2021, there were only 17 reds the whole season. We- we're just three red cards away from already matching the 2021 tally. And most of these red cards have been given via VAR, changed via VAR, as I predicted at the start of the season. Um it's just the way it goes now. So I think it's it's been a shame. I I, I just feel like you should uh, let each league have its own sort of personality. In it. And there's always been a, a higher threshold in Norway for, for stuff like that. But it is what it is. Um, this, but my main gripe with it, and this, this does my head, it still does my head in the, around the world, is the time it's taking for decisions. Like for obvious things that... Um, you know, you, you know the referee is going to be called across to have a look, or should. But it takes like five minutes, or it feels like five minutes, before he even goes across the monitor. And I just don't get it. I, I, there's been enough leagues now where VAR's been in operation that Norway should have been able to hopefully streamline it. Um, but it seems even slower there than, than in other places. Maybe it's because it's the first year they're doing it up there. Maybe we'll let them, let them off a little bit. I just wish some of the really obvious decisions could get done um, it, it, a lot quicker because it, it just slows the game down. You start, stop, start, stop. And I think it, that suits certain teams more than others as well. I think that's a, definitely a thing to look at. Um, so it's been a mixed bag of VAR so far in, in Norway. I think there has been some good things as well with it. There has been some decisions that they got right. But it wouldn't be an NFP episode without me having some sort of rant about it, would it? <laughs> Well, the fact of the matter is, this is the first season, like you said, and it's going to be a major storyline. It would be probably almost wrong of you not to mention it, to be fair, because it's, mm. as you said, it's the first year. There's always going to be opinions, but I think you're right to mention it at the end of the day. Um, and I think if we look at Osvenskan as one of the last existing non-VAR um, European leagues, I mean, some of the decisions in Osvenskan in the last few weeks have been have almost made me want VAR. Well, that's how bad they've been. Um, but I totally agree with you. I mean, let, listen, let's not end. I mean, you mentioned there that you could talk about this until we die, and you know, we are all going to die one day, so I think we don't want to waste our time going over VR again. But uh, of course, it's been a definite theme of this season so far. So, uh, tweet us at Nordic Footpod with your thoughts on Steve's choices. Is there anyone we missed? Is there anyone that you agree with that should be in our sort of personalities so far? Listen, there's a long way to go. We're not even halfway through the seasons yet, and we've got a lot more things to talk about, Steve, between now and the uh. The next few months but um i think this has been a pretty well-rounded show in terms of giving a flavor if you hadn't watched any of the seasons so far i think you've got a bit of a decent insight into what has been going on in these leagues so um well done to you my friend 
yeah that was i enjoyed that it was something a little bit different and um i think you've got to mix it up sometimes haven't you in uh in in the podcasting world so i hope you all enjoyed uh certain things there probably you know like two or three guys or, or mentions that we perhaps wouldn't be able to have that chance to talk about in detail in a normal episode so uh yeah appreciate your listening and uh hope you enjoyed it yeah thanks so much everyone um always if you have ideas for episode formats of course because sometimes it's nice to hear listeners maybe you maybe you might have a suggestion that's something you want to see we've got our email address on the twitter you can always tweet us and give us your ideas normally we ask for listener questions as well and you always have good questions a lot of you listeners so this week something a little bit different recapping the season so far through sort of uh, 12 personalities there or machines um so thanks a lot for listening as i say everyone supporting us on patreon thanks so much for that and um we'll be back soon we'll uh, we've got a bit of a break coming up in sweden as i mentioned there'll be no games after this weekend for about three four weeks um but we'll still have some norway things to talk about and uh, maybe some transfer content as well so keep it peeled on the nordic football podcast as always um but that'll be it from me jonathan Vaduba. thank you so much you can get me on twitter at jfffutball jffutbol and meet man where can we find you you can find me at meet man soccer um simple as that and uh like I say, yeah, we've got this little bit of a break now in terms of uh, domestic matches, but we'll be back again soon. Stay safe, take care, and see you around. <laughs>